Well, today we are wrapping up our series called Simple Prayers. It's been our holy ambition that this year, that we started the year giving you four simple prayers that you could learn to pray in your life that could add value to your spiritual walk. Four in 24. And as advertised, all of these simple prayers are short, they're memorable, they're, they're easy to say, and they're also the kind of prayers that really we use on the go. You don't have to stop, go to your prayer closet, drop to your knees, bow your head, close your eyes. These are prayers you can say, heads up, eyes open, just as things are happening, you can pray these simple prayers. Here are the ones that we've covered so far. We've looked at a prayer for protection. As you experience things in your life, when you just feel vulnerability, you feel threat, and you want and need God's protection, then you can pray a simple prayer. God put a hedge of protection around me. And that hedge of protection can be around your family. It can be around your health, your job, your business, your marriage, your finances. You can even pray God's hedge of protection around your heart. Because we walk through things in life that can make us bitter. And you can say, God, put a hedge of protection around my heart. Keep me from being resentful. When you feel the need for God's protection, you can pray for that hedge. Secondly, we talked about a prayer of availability. Most of the things that God does in the world, he does through people. And one of the greatest privileges in life is to have God nudge your heart and stir your soul to do something for him, to say something, to give something. So that prayer of availability, it's learning how to raise your hand and just say to the Lord, I'm listening and I'm available. I'm listening and I'm available. That's the prayer of availability. Last week, J.D. walked us through a prayer of trust. This is one of the most important things you can learn to pray because God being in control gives assurance to our life, but it also brings some questions. Like if it's God is in control, why is this happening? And you can allow those kinds of questions to hinder your faith. But when you offer that prayer of trust, you're acknowledging that God is good. Doesn't matter what the evidence says or not. God is good and you can trust him. A prayer of trust. These are all simple prayers that you can learn to pray. The more you learn the theology behind the prayer, perhaps the less dependent you become on the script. Like, and you can, you can start to pray for protection without having to say, put a hedge of protection around me. But we said these simple prayers are kind of like training wheels. They help give us support to know what to pray for when these situations happen. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with scripted prayers. When Jesus' disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Jesus did not do a seminar on how to pray. He didn't even get out his Bible and teach a Bible study on prayer. When Jesus wanted to teach his disciples to pray, what did he do? He gave them a small scripted prayer to repeat in their life. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be that. Like he gave them a simple prayer to pray. So I encourage you, lay hold of these simple prayers. Deploy them in your life as you experience 
these aspects of need. Now, the last prayer we're going to learn of these four is a prayer for blessing that we're going to call a prayer for favor. Everybody say favor. A prayer for favor. And that's all about learning how to welcome and walk in the blessing of God's help. If we were to have a simple definition for favor, I think it could be something like this. Favor means being helped by God. So when you pray for God's favor, he, he's giving you favor to help you. And it's God's favor and his help that creates advantages and can alter how things happen in our life. You want God's favor working in your life. In 2012, there was a, a fire that broke out in Colorado Springs called the Waldo Canyon Fire. It destroyed over 18,000 acres and 347 homes were lost in that fire. It burned a grueling 17 days and over 32,000 people had to be evacuated out of its path. Among those who were affected by these fires was my friend Bob Bender. And you can see Bob here in a picture with President Obama when he came to tour the damage that was caused by the fire. My friend's home happened to be in the Mountain Shadows neighborhood, which was in the epicenter of the fire. Now, after the fire was put out and families were allowed to go back to their properties, Bob discovered that his home was one of only four that did not burn. When I went to go see him, he walked me out to his property line and showed me, and you could still see the burn marks. Like this, the fire came to right here and it just stopped at my property line. I said, Bob, how do you, how do you account for that? He said, I don't know. A lot of people call it a miracle. I said, what do you call it? He said, well, I don't have any other way to describe it other than this. The hand of God. The hand of God. I want you to hear that terminology. The hand of God. Today, I want to coach you to pray for favor, which means welcoming God's help and a prayer for help that God answers. Man, he can, he can create advantages and he can change how things happen in our life. Here's the prayer of favor. I want you to learn to pray. Let the gracious hand of the Lord work in my favor. Let the gracious hand of the Lord work in my favor. Say that with me. Let the gracious hand of the Lord work in my favor. Yeah, when you find out the job that you've been wanting and you applied for, that you're up for it, you can actually pray for the gracious hand of the Lord to be with you in the interview process. When you submit your bid for the house that you want to purchase, you can actually pray for the hand of our gracious Lord to be with you and work in favor, to be with you in the eyes of the seller. God, will you, will you favor my bid? When you go to share a word with someone, a word of truth, or you're going to share the gospel with someone, you can pray, God, will you, will you favor what I have to say so that they will turn towards Jesus? Listen, praying for God's hand of favor in your life is beneficial. You want to learn how to do that. Now, some of you go, wait a minute. I, I, I'm a little bit anxious about this whole idea of praying for favor because it makes me feel like 
like I'm being shallow. Makes me feel like I'm kind of reducing God down to a good luck charm. I don't know if I'm comfortable in asking for God's favor. Like how could I pray for God to favor me in closing this business deal when like he really ought to be tending to the people who are in the war-torn area of the Gaza Strip. Like, how, how could I pray for favor in business when that's, you know, a reality for some folks? How could I possibly pray for God to favor me so that she says yes to the date I'm going to ask her out on? Like, how could I do that when there are missionaries storming the throne asking for God to open people's hearts that have never accepted Jesus? Like, I, I just I feel a little shallow and superficial asking for God's help. Listen, you can do that because God is God. And he's got bandwidth that's much broader than anything that we could understand or appreciate. Jesus said that our heavenly father knows and cares about everything. And he illustrated it by saying there's not a bird that falls to the ground and dies that God doesn't know about it. The Lord has this bandwidth which is so broad that he could answer your cry for favor in your biochemistry test. And at the same time, hear the cry of the person who's asking for God's help in stopping human trafficking. Like God can do all of that because he's God. And he never asks us to pump the brakes on our prayer for favor while he deals with more important matters. In fact, this is the permission that he gives us in Hebrews 4.16 that it's his will regardless of the perceived importance of our need for his favor to come boldly to the throne of his grace and ask him and we can receive mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. The gracious, listen, the gracious hand of God and his favor is accessible to all who will ask. Now, let's put this one check in place because this needs to be said. There's a, an errant view of favor that percolates out there in Christianity called prosperity gospel. And the prosperity gospel is really a distortion of a prayer for favor. Prosperity gospel, the proponents of that would say we should pray for God's favor expecting that God will respond because life is supposed to be healthy and wealthy and comfortable. That's, that's the proponents of the prosperity message. Yes, ask for favor because that's what God wants to do. He wants to make you healthy and wealthy and, and comfortable. Well, the true gospel is that Jesus came and paid the price for our sins. He was raised from the dead and he offers to us a new life where we can be forgiven and born again. And with that, we can have the hope that comes in eternity with a home in heaven. But also, he does pledge his help, his grace to help us in our times of need. And Jesus even said the life that he wanted to give us is abundant. In John 10:10, 10, 10, I've come that you might have life 
and have it abundantly. But that abundance, listen, is never limited to material things. God is far more interested in eternal things than temporary things. And so abundance is first and foremost things like joy and peace and goodness and righteousness. God's intent is for us to abound in those things. But having said that, we can become too dismissive and even resistant to other ways that God might look to bless and favor our lives. Third John 1, 2 says, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health, that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Can you see the fuller complement of things that God might want to bless and favor your life? So nothing is too big, nothing is too small. When God favors us, he helps us, and we, we need to have an availability and an openness for God to help us and bless us in any way that he so Chooses. So I want to teach you to pray this morning a prayer for favor. Take your Bible and open with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. 1 Chronicles chapter 4. It's a section in the Old Testament. If you're looking at the beginning of your Bible, table of contents, look at 1 Chronicles, give you a page number, you can turn right to it. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10 is going to be our focal point. Back in the 90s, Bruce Wilkinson, wrote a little book that introduced people to this very small prayer in the Old Testament called the Prayer of Jabez. His book broke down that prayer. Many people read it, and many people began to kind of co-opt that prayer and pray the prayer of favor that we find in this passage. But before we get to verse 10, there's an introduction to Jabez, which is important. It says that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. That's an important distinction. That Jabez had honor. The Hebrew word for honor means weight. W-E-I-G-H-T. Weight. It implies that Jabez had some substance to him. Uh, in ancient times, coins could be manipulated and counterfeited easily. And so shopkeepers had a set of scales where they would weigh the coins that people would bring them to make sure that they had the full measure of gold or silver that they were supposed to. And if they weighed those coins and they were the right weight, then they would declare that that coin is honored. Like you, you can use it for purchases in this shop. And so the idea of having weight to you means that there's honor to you, there's substance to you, there's integrity, and there's character to that person. Now, let me tell you why that's so important. His, his character demonstrates that this is not a light request. There's nothing shallow or superficial because his life has weight to it. There's honor to it. There's substance to it. There's character to it. So what we're going to read can't be coming to us from a superficial person. He's an honorable person. Secondly, when we read that he is honorable, it's his honor, it's his character, it's his integrity, 
which allows the Lord to do something substantial in terms of blessing him because God's blessing, listen, wouldn't be a threat to him. Why? Because he has integrity. He has substance. He has honor. One of the dirty little secrets of the lottery is that 70% of the people who win the lottery go broke. How could that be? Well, there's just, there's no integrity or honor in place. That sudden dump of cash, they're not ready for those riches and they just blow through it. So the fact that he is an honorable man, he's got character, he's got substance, means that God is free to bless him without a sense of threat that what God does for him will in some way jeopardize him at a later time. Which brings up the question, like, does God have any hesitation about favoring or blessing us because there's some integrity missing? Another way to ask that, do we, do we have the character in our life that could welcome God to do something favorable? He was an honorable man. He had character. Now look at his prayer. Verse 10. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. In ancient times, broader boundaries, greater land ownings would have meant greater influence. So his prayer here is not for God just to give him more. What he's asking for is God to bless him so that he could be a blessing. Now, notice that he prayed and look at the agency behind the favor that he was asking for. Let your hand be with me. Let your gracious hand of favor work in my life. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. Most theologians believe that last phrase should be interpreted as don't let me cause pain with my gain. The Holman Christian Standard Bible interprets that this way. It says, keep me from harm so that I will not cause pain. So God, if I'm granted what I'm asking for, if you, if you favor me, God, God, keep me from letting that go to my head. Don't let me make foolish decisions with your blessings that actually end up costing others. Jim Collins wrote a book several years ago called Good to Great. And it was a case study for how some businesses who are good at what they do become great at what they do. A couple of years later, he wrote a second book, a follow-up book, because he noticed that some companies that went from good to great had a disastrous fall once they received all the blessings that came with being great. And what he determined was, is there are some businesses and some corporations and some teams that are just not prepared for the success and the success actually weighs them down. It causes them to fall from grace, so to speak. So it's important that we handle 
like the blessings of the Lord properly. This part of his prayer shows how guarded and grounded he is. Oh God, please, I'm asking you to bless me. I want your hand of favor working in my life, but God, please don't let me take the gains that you give him and let me cause pain with that. Substance, character. Notice what happens. The Lord granted his request. God didn't, Consider his prayer for favor to be shallow or selfish or superficial or inappropriate. God said yes. Now there's another place in the Old Testament that shows us someone else's story as they were inviting God's hand of favor to work in their life. And that person's name is Ezra. And Ezra's story is told in the book by his name. Ezra. He lived in a time that's called the exile. A lot of people know about the Israeli history of going to Egypt and being held captive in Egypt and then the Exodus. A lot of people know that. They've seen that movie. But most people have not heard about the exile. So many, many years after the Exodus, as the Jewish people lived here in this area of their homeland, they started to change their affections to where they no longer just looked to the Lord. They started looking to other gods. And as a consequence of their abandoning the Lord, God raised up the Babylonians who were living over here to come and invade and to conquer his people. And they were carried off from Jerusalem to have to live in Babylon in a period of captivity. Now, this was not a permanent ban. God was more hoping to do like a timeout so that he could kind of get their attention. And spiritually, he did get their attention. And so at the end of that period, when God wants to now bring them back to the place that he promised, we read in Ezra 1.1, in the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given Jeremiah. Many people have memorized Jeremiah 29.11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, not to harm you, but to give you hope, the future, right? That the promise that God gave through Jeremiah is that God was not finished with his people. He would bring them back as soon as they turned their hearts back to him. And so this is prophetically being fulfilled. He stirred the heart of Cyrus. Look at that from two weeks ago. We talked about nudges and promptings and how God stirs our hearts to do things for him. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout his kingdom. The Lord, the God of heaven, has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild this temple of the Lord the God of Israel, and may your God be with you. So he was the king, kind of the presiding king, if you will, over an empire that had torn down the temple. But now he's making the decree. Let's rebuild the temple. The rest of the book of Ezra are all the details that had to happen in order to fulfill that mandate to rebuild the temple. And there's a characteristic 
that's repeated over and over and over, which seems to be like the formula for their success in accomplishing this. And the phrase that you read over and over and over is the hand of the Lord was with them. The hand of the Lord was with them. And so when you break down the story, the first part of it, Ezra, after the king says, hey, we ought to rebuild this temple. Ezra walks into his office and says, you know what? I think you ought to pay for it. That's like the first build the wall in Mexico will pay for it moment, right? We, we want you to pay for it. Can you imagine a Ukrainian pastor in the future going to Putin's office and saying, you ought to rebuild our church because you tore it down in your invasion? Like how gutsy would that be? So Ezra goes into the king and says, you, you proclaimed it ought to be rebuilt. We think you ought to pay for it. And what happens? The king gave him everything he asked for. Why? Because the gracious hand of the Lord his God was on him. Ezra led an expedition, a group of people who left Babylon to go to Jerusalem. And the Bible says they made that journey in record time. It normally was a five-month journey, but they did it in four months. They made it in record time. Well, how in the world did that happen? The Bible tells us because the gracious hand of God was on him. And then they made it with everyone and everything intact. How? The gracious hand of our God protected us and saved us from enemies and bandits along the way. During the rebuilding process, they faced opposition after opposition, but God had their back and aided their work because the Bible says the gracious hand of our God was on us. When, when Ezra kind of looked back at all the things that had happened in this endeavor, he says, I felt encouraged because the gracious hand of the Lord my God was on me. Are we getting the picture? That when the hand of the Lord is working in your favor, listen, doors can open that have been closed. The timing of things can fall into place. Provision comes when it's needed. No's become yeses. Obstacles are overcome. Impossibilities become possibilities, all because God's gracious hand works in our favor. Anybody interested in praying and asking for the Lord to give you a hand of favor in your life? So as you do that, as you deploy this prayer, let me offer a couple of closing thoughts to keep us from misfiring. Okay? So we use this prayer wisely and on point. Here's the first one. Keep this in mind as you pray. That God's hand will prioritize the eternal and spiritual blessings. He's going to prioritize those. So we should too. Here's what the Bible says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, that's all the other things we need his favor for, will be added to you. Eternal things, spiritual things, needs to be the priority of our ask. But... Secondly, let's remember the Lord cares about everything that concerns us, so don't limit your ask. 
Let's practice the humility to ask for God's help in everything. Spiritual things, but also in earthly things. One of our former staff members, Brandon Self. Anybody remember Brandon? Brandon used to be a genius at getting brand new people involved in helping in his ministry. And there's a lot of other staff members who would see like his success and getting other people involved in helping say, well, how do you do that? And Brandon used to say, well, I never answer for them. Because sometimes what happens to you is you think in your head, like, I want to ask them, but I know they're going to say no. So I won't ask. And he used to say, I'm I'm never going to ask or answer for them. I'm going to ask and let let them answer. I think that's pretty good advice when it comes to the Lord. Like, don't, don't answer for him. You ask and let him decide. Because remember, he cares about everything that concerns you. Third, so important to remember. Just because you've asked and God's brought his hand of favor to work in your life, that won't mean that everything will be perfect and easy. You say, man, if I could just get God's favor, man, this is going to be gravy train. He'll bless, but still, even when God extends his hand to work in your favor, it can still be hard. Some of the people who are the most blessed and highly favored in the Bible face struggles and difficulties and emotional heaviness. People like Moses and Job and Mary and Paul and even Jesus, all highly favored and yet faced real life pains. So when God is working with his hand to show you favor, it can still be hard. I like to tell people, when it feels like work, God is at work. To us, when it feels like work, man, God must not be doing anything because it wouldn't be this hard and wouldn't be this difficult and wouldn't have this. No, 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 no. When it feels like work, God is at work. I was talking with a couple a couple of weeks ago doing a lot of hard work to get their marriage back online. They've been through some things that kind of pulled them apart, but they're working hard to get their marriage back online. They're like, Pastor, <laughs> we're working, but it's hard still. Like we, we, We're still fighting a little bit. We still got some bitterness and resentment we're trying to work out. Like This is not happening like you know as easy as we thought it might be. Of course not. You, you have to work, and then God will work with you. But even when his hand is working for your favor, doesn't mean everything will be perfect and easy. When it feels like work, God is at work. Finally, I want you to know this. God favors his spiritual kids. He loves everybody. But he favors his kids. As a parent, you can love like other people's kids, but you still favor your own. God has perfect love. He can love anybody, but he favors his kids. Listen to Romans 8, 17. We are his children. Notice, and we are his heirs. That means when you become a child of God, you become a unique benefactor of his promises and his provisions. The Apostle Paul in 
coaching up believers in Jesus wanted to remind us, do good to everybody, but especially do good to those who are of the household of faith. There's a, there's a connection that you have to the Lord whenever you know him as your personal Lord and Savior that puts you in a favored position. God works favor in the lives of his children. May I ask you this? Do you know the Lord? I don't know anybody that doesn't want God's favor in their life. But do you know the Lord? Do you have a real relationship with him? Have you invited Jesus to be the savior of your life? Well, if you have, the Bible says that the enmity, the struggle gets taken out whenever you trust in Jesus. And it frees up God's hand to show you favor. But you first got to have clarity. Like, do I know the Lord?